You're listening to Living Brain Podcast. I'm Yukari Peerless. Every episode, I share a conversation with someone who is living brain. Today's guest is actor and playwright Hiro Kanagawa. Hiro-san is a Japanese-Canadian actor, voice actor, and playwright based in Vancouver. He has appeared in numerous films and television series, including Smallville, Godzilla, The Man in the High Castle, Altered Carbon, iZombie, Legends of Tomorrow, and Kim's Convenience. He's also a voiceover actor, as well as a Governor General's Literary Award-winning playwright. I recently got connected to Hiro-san over a super small project, and I wanted to talk to him about his Japanese identity and about racism, which is probably on everyone's mind these days. I usually try to keep my conversation not too long, but I'm really happy how our conversation turned out in this episode. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Hiro-san. Okay, well, welcome to Living Brave Podcast. Uh, today's guest is Hiro Kanagawa-san. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Great to be here. Hiro-san, can you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, I am a uh, actor and playwright in Vancouver. I was born in Japan, mm-hmm. in Sapporo. Okay. And uh, we, my family came to Canada when I was three years old. Yeah. Uh, and then between the ages of three and 14, uh, I lived in Canada and the U.S. Yeah. And then uh, I went back to my family, moved back to Japan mm-hmm. when I was 14. And I went to high school in Tokyo. Um, so wow. then I've uh, since then, I've, you know, I've spent a couple of years in Tokyo after college as well, working as a, as a translator. Okay. And, uh, and also teaching English in wow. high school and, uh, you know, ESL as well. But yeah. uh, other than that, I've been uh, here in North America. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was watching your Soul Pepper um, podcast oh, last okay. week. You saw that. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know about that, that you came here at age three. That's a part mm-hmm. I didn't really know because I initially thought about doing this podcast in Japanese you're like I'm not quite sure about speaking in Japanese but how how is well, your Japanese? I mean I could I could I I'm fairly fluent yeah but you know in terms of talking about racism and mm-hmm. uh you know privilege and discrimination in the context of uh, Black Lives Matter and everything that's going on now mm-hmm. I don't think that I have the the vocabulary yeah um off the top of my head mm-hmm. just because in my day-to-day life I don't have an opportunity to use the Japanese uh yeah very much right you know, so I think it, it would have been a little bit of a slow conversation <laughs> yeah uh, no I I get that way. like I, I think I feel the same I just had this event online event about talking about racism in Japan and it was mostly done in Japanese but it's so much easier to talk in English and I'm the same way I'm fluent in Japanese I am a Japanese national but sometimes it's so much easier to talk in English because mm-hmm. of the yeah the context and vocabulary um, 
and you know we had group of interpreters to help because it, it was more geared towards Japanese people to learn about Black Lives Matter and you know the racism in Japan. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, like a um, like a structural racism or intersection um, intersectionality. Like mm-hmm. those are like we can translate them in Japanese, but we we're like, but what does it mean? Right. And because systemic racism and yeah yeah because you know, <laughs> uh, like japan is still kind of behind on those topics yes very much so yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah then you know that's exactly why i wanted to have the conversation but yeah mm-hmm. it's still people are still learning mm-hmm. yeah so um how are you um keeping yourself busy during this COVID time uh, I've actually been quite busy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, even though uh, the film and television industry has largely been shut down and theater has been completely shut down, I've been fortunate in that uh, I have um, enough of a voice acting career. Mm-hmm. And the voice has kept going. Okay. Um, the voice studios have uh, managed to keep going. They Typically, they bring performers in one at a time mm, okay um an hour apart mm-hmm. so uh you know you go in and record by yourself mm-hmm. of course the engineer is always in another booth anyways and yeah then typically directors and clients are somewhere else in the world anyways mm-hmm. so um it's not really terribly unusual mm-hmm. what the voice studios are doing except that instead of bringing a bunch of actors in at the same time they bring mm-hmm. them in one at a time and then disinfect the studio and all of the equipment in between mm-hmm. so um i've had some voice work and then um i've been fortunate in that uh, i've had some commission writing commissions oh nice through uh theater companies trying to do innovative things yeah during this time of covid so um it hasn't really been you know uh a terribly inactive period for me mm-hmm. fortunately and uh, and now that we're into phase three here in BC, right? Um, and the film and TV industry actually has a green light mm-hmm. to start filming again. And yeah. uh, actually, yesterday I actually had my first uh, on-camera oh. audition for a show. Oh wow! Supposedly um, they're going to try start to start shooting in uh, late July, if possible. Wow. So was this in Vancouver? Yeah, in Vancouver. Okay, um, I. I think you live in, you don't live in exactly Vancouver, right? I can't remember which city. I live in Port Moody. Okay. Is, uh, half an hour east. Oh, half hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's pretty close. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, well, what about like, you know, like a mental health wise, like you're normal, like this is yeah. the same uh, as usual, like a do my work kind of thing. You know, my, I have my family, my wife and two children. Mm-hmm. And so we're very fortunate in in that sense. You know, I'm not a single person right. living in a 600 square foot condo somewhere all by myself. You know, yeah. um, I have my family and, um, and my wife and I have discussed how really, because we don't have nine to five jobs, mm-hmm. you know, um, we work from home ordinarily anyways a lot mm-hmm. of the time with our writing and uh other activities so yeah. it, it hasn't been for us a huge adjustment okay. um we are often at home anyway mm-hmm. um our schedule is our own to make anyway yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was an adjustment having the kids home all day, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. every day for, yeah. uh, you know, it's going on a hundred days now or over a right. hundred days now. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, very early on, we, we set up some ground rules and guidelines. And, uh, mm-hmm. so we've managed to, you know, to, to, uh, stay healthy, both physically and mentally. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I think that we've we've done a lot better and uh, have had an easier time of it than than a mm. lot of people and a lot of families. Yeah, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to go back to your your story. So you mm-hmm. were going to you were in Japan, and you decide to come back to North America. When was that? Um, so I went to high. I was I did high school. Yeah. In Japan, um, I went to. Uh, ICU, Kokusai Kitsugyo Daigaku in Tokyo. They had, uh, at the time, it was very early on, but they have a high school, Mm -hmm. um, which is uh, what used, I don't know if they still call it that, but it was Kikokushijo. Right, yes. Meaning it was a school uh, specifically for children of Japanese families who had been abroad, right? Mm -hmm. So um, one third of the students were Japanese kids who had never left Japan. Mm-hmm. One third of the kids had uh, spent some time abroad, but they'd gone to Nihongo Gakko. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Japanese school. Yeah. yeah. Language school. And then one third were like me. We'd lived abroad and we'd gone to public school abroad and mm-hmm. had nothing to do with the Japanese education system. Right. Right. So it was a, interesting mix and um you know and uh i think i always i never intended to stay in japan after high Mm -hmm. school and uh the teachers at the school understood that as well so uh you know i in i had applied for and enrolled to uh various schools in the u.s that made sense for me and so i wound up going to college in the in the u.s and uh Mm -hmm. yeah that's pretty much then you came back you know it Mm -hmm. yeah then you, so what made you want to be an actor or and playwright? Well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I've always been, I've always been an artist of one kind or another, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school in Japan, we were, uh, a lot of us were really in, into music. Um, and in fact, our school, there's several professional musicians have come out of uh mm. Uh, out of that school just from the time you know the years around me Mm -hmm. um but yeah so I wanted to you know be a a rock star or whatever when I was I wanted to write Mm -hmm. um in college I got into visual art and I actually my undergrad degree is actually in visual arts okay so I was in my early 20s I was a sculptor oh wow and I originally went to uh grad school for sculpture um but, you know, that was in the late 80s when uh, the visual arts, there was a very strong performance art movement mm-hmm. happening in the, a lot of visual arts were actually gravitating towards performance art. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in high school and in college, I, you know, I'd been in plays, I was in student films, mm-hmm. I took theater classes in college, I never was uh, focusing on it specifically. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was always something, one of the things that I did. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to Vancouver, 
around the same time that the uh, film and television industry was really starting to yeah. blossom here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just kind of um, got caught up in that. And, uh, you know, 30 years later, I wake up and I <laughs> made a career out of it. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, and then along the way, I was always writing as well. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've managed to have a career as a writer as well. So that's great. Um, I don't want to say, you know, it was luck or it was something that I just fell into because mm -hmm. uh, there was always an intent to have a, a career in the arts mm -hmm. of one sort of the or another. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's, in fact, what happened. Mm. Um, are your parents uh, in Japan now? Yes, they live in uh, a town called Kita Hiroshima. Oh, OK. Hiroshima. Suburb of Sapporo. Oh, <laughs> It's about halfway between. It's called Kita Hiroshima, but it's in Hokkaido. It's in Hokkaido. Well, it okay. was founded by people from Hiroshima. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but it's halfway between uh, Chitose Kuko okay. and, and Sapporo. Mm, okay. Um, that's where the uh, ham fighters are building their new stadium. Oh, I didn't know Hiroshima. that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, like, your parents are okay. Like, I, I, I find that Japanese parents are not as. Like I'm talking stereotype, but not as strict as you know Chinese parents. Like, mm -hmm. your parents are okay with you pursuing arts? Well, they are now. <laughs> you know, yeah. What are they going to do about it now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no, they uh, they there was some um, worry and friction mm -hmm. when I was in high school, but you know it was a. Uh, they lived in Sapporo and I lived in Tokyo. So mm. I, I wasn't, I haven't lived at home since I was 14. Mm -hmm. okay. Because uh, ICU was a Ryose. Okay. I was in the dorm there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't really see my parents uh, except for holidays from age mm -hmm. 14 on. Wow. Okay. And you just, you just, you didn't feel like staying in Japan and no i didn't i didn't feel like staying in japan i have a i mean i love japan but mm -hmm. um it's not a comfortable it's not a comfortable place for me to live it's not really a home for you no why would why why is that well it's just you know um for a lot of the reasons that we touched on at the very beginning it's a mm -hmm. very insular homogeneous yeah society it's not mm -hmm. diverse mm -hmm. um i think that um there, there are a lot of issues, you know, it's mm -hmm. patriarchal. Yeah. Um, it's uh, xenophobic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's just, a, you know, it's a very structured and rigid society still in mm -hmm. many ways. And yeah. uh, it's just not um, an environment that uh, is conducive to my happiness. Right. Yeah. So, that's, that's unfortunate because that's how they lose all these talented people such as yourself right um because i think you are a canadian national now yes, yes yeah 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 that's i've seen i'm seeing on twitter like things like uh like a naomi osaka the tennis player mm -hmm. um who else like kazuo uh, kazuo ishiguro mm -hmm. like they love to call the japanese people love to call them oh they're japanese mm -hmm. but i don't think that those folks identity or not really you know maybe they have japanese blood in them but mm -hmm. i don't think they really identify themselves as japanese person right yeah 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 
like oh yeah it's unfortunate mm-hmm. right well you know Kazuo Ishiguro is like uh, very similar to me in that mm-hmm. I think he was about four years old when he left. Mm. I think he's from from Nagasaki originally. And that's uh, right. Yeah, he, I'm from Nagasaki he, too. He emigrated to England when he was about four, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he <laughs> speaks the language since. either. Yeah, probably not very, uh, very. But well like uh, Japanese people love to consider him as sort of honorary Japanese, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and especially like Naomi Osaka, I've seen seen her on Twitter, like as soon as she starts to do uh, these political comments, they just like bash her. It's mm-hmm. uh, like you should stick to playing tennis, you know, you right. shouldn't be talking about Black Lives Matter, uh, right. which is, yeah. It's really sad, actually, seeing it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think um, as this uh, movement for racial equality and justice uh, moves around the world, mm-hmm. um, I think countries in East Asia and especially Japan, um, they really have to um, step it up. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Japan is a G7 nation. Right. Um, and uh, I think there's a tremendous social and moral responsibility for Japan mm-hmm. to uh, take more global responsibility, especially mm-hmm. within Asia, yeah. for helping um, the, uh, you know, more d- disadvantaged groups and uh and countries in Asia. I mean, you know, Japan doesn't even accept refugees. Right. right? Um, so, you know, this, uh, this thing that they have in Japan where they would, they would literally rather have robots right. than foreigners, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that I think has to change. Um, mm-hmm. Especially now, because I mean, Japan is is because of the aging population. Japan's losing over four hundred thousand people a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, with zero immigration, mm-hmm. um, that's just not a sustainable way for the com- country to move forward economically right. mm-hmm. or socially or mm-hmm. or in any context. Yeah. So. Um, you know, unless Japanese families are suddenly going to start having three or four children each, mm-hmm. which, right. which is not going to happen. No. Uh, it seems to me that, you know, Japan really has to open its borders and accept mm-hmm. immigrants yeah. from, from the rest of the world. And uh, they have to, you know, redefine. And that will mean redefining what it is, what it means to be Japanese. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think that Japan, if it's going to have a future, it needs to be a much more diverse country. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like in the, the racism in Japan event, uh, one of the panelists said that Japanese are the whites in Asia. Well, j- j- the Japanese are, yes. And um, Japan, you know, as you may know, historically, uh, when Japan was an ally of, of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. the, the, the Nazis gave the Japanese honorary Aryan status. Mm-hmm. And then in, during the apartheid era in South Africa, uh, the Japanese were 
designated honorary whites as well. So they had all of the rights that Mm -hmm. white people did in apartheid South Africa, except they weren't allowed to vote Mm -hmm. and they didn't, they weren't allowed to join the military. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, a few years after Japan, South Korea was also offered honorary white status in South, in South Africa, but they refused. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yes, South Korea refused to have any economic or diplomatic ties with apartheid South Africa. Uh, but, you know, Japan obviously... It says, says a lot about Japan, eh? Well, you know, just before... Well, you know, this is interesting. Just before COVID, I was um, commissioned to... My, my next big play was going to be about um, Japanese castaways. Okay. In BC, you know, there were there were many cases, but there's a very famous case of three fishermen who landed yes. on the Oregon coast in uh, 1837. Isn't that, supp- sorry, um, aren't they said to be like the first Japanese people like arrived on this con- continent? Yeah. Uh, no, they weren't the first. There were okay. others before them. Okay. Um, in fact, like, you know, in the 1600s, there were samurai who uh, accompanied uh, the Portuguese to Mexico. And there's okay. actually there's actually a, a a family a Japanese family mm-hmm. who have been in Mexico since the 1600s. Wow. Yeah, uh, a Samoan okay. family who. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they from Mexico they went on they went to Europe to meet the Pope and so on, um, but one of them stayed behind in in Mexico and the, the, their descendants are still there to this day. Oh my goodness. Um, but the thing that I w- was uh, the reason I brought that up is mm-hmm. because. At the time of first contact between Japan and Europe mm-hmm. in the 1400s, right? Uh, Europe was not uh, a completely racialized society in that um, there, of course, there was status, mm-hmm. there was a social hierarchy, but in Europe in the 1400s, it was not based on race. Okay. Right? It was based on religion mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, and the economic status. So that, um, you know, yes, there were, there were African slaves in Europe, but there mm-hmm. were also white slaves. You know, there okay. were being, you know, you could be white and be a slave mm-hmm. in Europe in those, and, and you could be African and be a nobleman okay. or a saint, mm-hmm. right? So when Japan first encountered Europe, it was not racialized. Okay. But then Japan went into 250 years of isolation Mm-hmm. And when they re-encountered Europe in the mid-1800s, now the rest of the world was racialized, right? The race had become the organizing principle mm-hmm. of how societies and the world was organizing itself. Mm-hmm. So when you read the interrogations, the transcripts of the interrogations that Japanese officials had with castaways who were re- returning, Okay. You, what you can see is there's this tremendous obsession yeah. with understanding the races of the world and where Japan fits into that. Okay. And, and what you see is uh, in the mid-1800s, there begins to develop a Japanese obsession, mm-hmm. right? First of all, with not being seen as dojin. Right. right? Not being seen as like native islanders Mm -hmm. uh they realize that the rest of the world sees them as asian Mm -hmm. right but they're 
becomes an interest within Japan of not being seen even as Asian mm. because they see that the other, other nations in Asia are being colonized by the imperialist forces of Europe mm -hmm. and they want to avoid that for themselves. Yeah. So there, there's a, a conscious effort in Japan to distinguish Japan from the rest of Asia mm -hmm. and to be classified more closely with Europe, with the whites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the Japanese national identity, mm -hmm. which is why Japan is the one Asian country which went on, you know, this disastrous imperialist yeah. uh, program of trying to conquer the rest of Asia. Right. And that's also why uh, Japan is kind of a, you know, palatable partner for white supremacist regimes mm -hmm. like the Nazis and apartheid South yeah. Africa. Yeah. And why in today's world, Japan is a G7 nation, the only mm -hmm. one in Asia. And right. why, you know, here in North America, Japanese Americans and Japanese Canadians are model minorities and we're honorary whites. Yeah. Um, there's a historical basis for that. And yeah. uh, it's uh, part of the national identity. It's part of why we are, we have been deracialized to mm -hmm. some extent and why it's easy for the, you know, the racial hierarchy, the white supremacist racial hierarchy mm -hmm. to have yeah. us close to the top right. as opposed to close to the bottom. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as Japanese Canadians or Japanese Americans or the Japanese in Japan, mm -hmm. as I said before, there is a responsibility yes. you know, for us to recognize our privilege mm -hmm. uh, and our closeness to the white apex mm -hmm. and that we need to play a bigger role in uh, exposing that yeah. system and dismantling it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were at that event, we were saying, you know, like everyone asked, like, what can we do? It's hard in Japan because the textbook is already full of lies. Mm -hmm. You know, they said Japan is a homogeneous country, but that's not true because we have the Zainichi Korean people, uh, the, you know, Ainu people in Hokkaido, mm -hmm. uh, Okinawan people. And, and all these other immigrants people as well, you know, like from Southeast Asia. So uh, we were saying like, you know, what we can do is we just have to start saying when somebody says Japan is a homogeneous country, we just say, no, that, no, it's not. That's not Well, true. no, it, it's not a homogeneous country, mm -hmm. but uh, the Japanese government, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. Japanese society's view yeah. is that it is. Right. And there's tremendous effort made to either assimilate mm -hmm. or uh, disenfranchise and uh, deny, you know, the, uh, the rights of non-Japanese groups to mm -hmm. express themselves yeah. culturally or politically mm -hmm. uh, within the country, you know. Yeah. So, yes, that's a big thing that has to change, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think we're finally slowly catching up to that and you know more and more people who think like you and me are sort of emerging or they're just starting to learn so you know I, it's not quite there yet but i think there's hope mm -hmm. um so where where are you with this project on the the castaway project 
Well, that project is uh, in limbo now. Okay. It's, uh, was because, this supposed to be a play? Yeah, it was, okay. uh, was going to be a, the, the projects that I was uh, writing before COVID were uh, very large scale okay. projects. And uh, those are it, very much in limbo now, okay. uh, especially because um, live theater, especially large scale live theater, uh, is probably one of the last things that is yeah. ever going to come back, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, even if theater comes back to some extent, we're probably going to be living with this reality of uh, audiences of, you know, less than 50 mm -hmm. or less than 100, yeah. you know. Um, and these uh, large-scale pieces that, uh, that I was in the stages of developing before COVID, I mean, they would really only make economic sense in the... Uh, in the main stage theaters, the big theaters that right. hold you know, 500 to a thousand people. So um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably, I mean, I, I'm, you know, maybe there'll be a vaccine or some miracle cure or whatever, but until that happens, uh, we're not going to see large scale mm -hmm. uh, live theater, live music, you know, yeah. live gatherings of any kind. And so, um, yeah, that, that project is not something that I can really think about or put any in, mm. energy into until um, this COVID situation is uh, resolved. Yeah. Mm, okay. Which I don't know when that will be. Mm. Okay. So um, another thing I wanted to talk about was um, like the, because you're in the entertainment industry, this uh, stereotyping of Asian mm -hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're in, you're in so many TV shows and movies, which mm -hmm. my husband's huge fan of you. Um, like do you, do you find yourself always casting like a similar role in TV and movies? Um, I, first of all, I think that there's uh typecasting for anyone, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, you could be, Robert Redford, you know, and be typecast. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, you know, the good-looking, you know. <laughs> Rich white guy. Golden boy. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Um, and the extent to which I'm typecast is, um, of course it exists. Mm -hmm. But once again, am I really in a position to say that I'm the most discriminated against or that... I'm, you know, that, that the ways in which I'm discriminated against are, are a tremendous detriment to me. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, to some extent, yeah. you know, throughout my career, I, I've, you know, I've not had access to lead roles mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that white actors would have, mm -hmm. etc. Um, so there are, there's definitely a ceiling, there's a barrier mm -hmm. to how far I could go, how fast, mm -hmm. which is changing to some extent, you know, right. yes. but, um, you know, there was a ceiling, mm -hmm. right. But then aside from that, you know, in terms of like, what opportunities did I have as a character actor? I've played a wide range. I mean, I've played both bad guys mm -hmm. and good guys. You know, a lot of my roles have been, uh, authority figures, mm -hmm. um, authority figures, detectives, 
FBI agents, mm-hmm. lawyers, doctors, yeah. teachers, uh, a wide range of authority figures, as well as bad, as well as you know, yakuza, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, gang leaders, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, so, I mean, how many actors get to play both good guys and bad guys? Yeah, that's not true. a lot, actually. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so you know. I have had discrimination uh, in other ways. I've been, I think that, you know, a, a term we can use uh, and understand is deracialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think to some extent, most of us uh, who are Japanese American or Canadian um, have been, you know, in our day-to-day lives, we are to a large extent now in 2020 deracialized. Right. People don't uh, make note of, you know, or take note of our ethnicity Mm -hmm. all that much. Right. You know, and there, and obviously there are going to be instances when they do. Mm -hmm. um, But, you know, it's very different from when I was growing up when sushi and sashimi yeah. were, you know, th- th- those were just like disgusting things that <laughs> no one could even like conceive of eating right. raw fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now, you know, yeah. every, every kid in my daughter's school, it's like practically their favorite food, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we are no longer other, mm-hmm. right. That's true. In the yeah. way that we once were. And so, you know, in that sense, I've been, I think I'm seen as a deracialized mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. Uh, which allows me to fill all kinds of different roles yeah. uh, in film and TV, except there's the ceiling still, mm-hmm. right. you know, undeniably, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, you know, yes, there has been discrimination mm-hmm. um, and there remains, there still is discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, I've had, uh, well, I've, you know, I've had a consistent career for 30 years. Um, I've raised a family, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's very few actors who aren't stars who can say that, you know. Yeah, it's very hard right. for anyone of any ethnicity to make a living consistently as an yeah. actor yeah. for 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, unless they achieve some level of stardom, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, which yeah. I've escaped, thankfully, on the yeah. one hand. You know, uh, yeah. but yeah. you know, it would be nice to to achieve a little bit more and have uh, access to to better roles and better projects and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may still happen for me. You know, right? Not, yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Uh, I don't know. This is just me looking at you from not really knowing you that super well, but you seem to be like in a really happy position. Mm-hmm. You have Hollywood credit, but you also have your own projects. You have music. You, I don't know. You seem to be in the really good space right now. I don't know. Uh I, you know, I am in a, I am in a good place. I, uh, <laughs> That's great. I've made, you know, I've managed to uh, do what I want to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of that and I'm thankful for that. And, mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, hopefully I'll continue to be able to do mm -hmm. what I do. Well, okay. So then like my son is also an, an actor. He just moved to Toronto mm -hmm. beginning of the year. Um, he's 22. Mm -hmm. Um, Japanese Canadian so like what kind of advice do you have for like young people just mm -hmm. wanting to become actors or wanting to be an artist I think that it's it's certainly a lot I mean from my perspective it seems like there's a lot more opportunity hmm. right for uh, Asian Canadian actors or artists today than there there were when I was starting out right um, so in that sense um, you know, I don't think that uh, it's a situation where, you know, parents or anyone should dissuade a young person from a career in the arts. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's a viable option, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then secondly, in terms of like, well, you know, people, you know, I, I've gotten to the age where a lot of young artists do ask my advice about this, that mm -hmm. or the other thing. And really, there is no there's no path there's no right. single path I yeah mean, it's really a situation where everyone has to make their own path mm -hmm. and and the path that i took just wouldn't work for anyone else right uh you got to find your own path you got to you know um do it your way mm -hmm. uh because um it's it's an individual it's kind of you know the journey needs to be an individual journey right mm -hmm. it's it's in that sense it's different from other professions where maybe the path is more you know if you want to be a dentist or something <laughs> yeah. right? well you yeah. do this and you get this degree and mm -hmm. then you do this postdoctorate research or post-med internship or whatever and then mm -hmm. right well it's it doesn't work that way um, yeah and the you know and the heartbreaking thing about this industry is that it's um it is to some extent a winner take all Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. one person gets the role and uh, the others don't. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. and that can snowball to the point where, you know, you get to my age and I, you know, I have a, a, a ton of credits. And then mm -hmm. some people who I, you know, started out with, they just never got on the, right, mm -hmm. on the track. Yeah. Um, and there's no guarantees about who that's going to happen to either. I mean, you know, you could go to the National Theater School and have the best training in the world and be the most talented actor in the world. But for whatever reason, um, yeah, you're just not either you've never figured out how to audition mm -hmm. or um, you do everything right. But for whatever reason, the film and television industry doesn't see you right um, or like you lack a people skill or something too right well whatever it is you know um whatever it is and um you know and in many cases it is it is some kind of race discrimination mm -hmm. or discrimination against uh someone for whatever reason right mm -hmm. it's because they're lgbtq or they're mm -hmm. right they're not the right race or they're too tall or they're not tall enough or they're right uh, there's just so many reasons why film and television discriminates against people. And yeah. um, that, and actually, you know, that's another, obviously another aspect of 
of society all over the world that needs to change this whole mm-hmm. idea of representation and, and who yeah. has access to being represented in media. Mm-hmm. That's is very much a political issue as much as anything else we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I think, but the tide is slowly changing in there too, right? Like all this diversity. Um, yeah, I think you're right. The peop- young people now probably have more opportunity mm-hmm. than they yeah, do. before. I think so. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. And old people too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I, I feel that too. You know, like you used to say like, oh, I'm too old, but that's mm-hmm. really not the case anymore. Um, and I, sometimes I catch myself saying that I was like, no, don't say that anyone can do anything. Um, okay. So I just want to move to some questions. So, okay. This is kind of a big one. Uh, what is the biggest challenge you've ever faced and how did you overcome it? The biggest challenge, um, I, you know, I think raising a family, Okay. being a father is a big challenge. Uh, and then how did I overcome it? I just, uh, <laughs> I didn't consciously try. It just happened. Right. <laughs> I think I'm a, I'm a pretty good father. Uh, but it, it's, I meet, I've met people uh, soon after I'd gotten married and had kids. I met people, you know, who I'd known from earlier in my life. And a lot of them were shocked that I was married and had kids because, you know, in my art school <laughs> days, I must have, you know, opened my mouth and talked about how I was never going to get married and how I never (laughs) wanted to have kids and all of that. So, you know, they were very surprised to see me married and with kids and living, you know, chauffeuring them to soccer practice. (laughs) I mean, um, that's probably a, and and that's probably a life that I didn't imagine for myself when I was Mm. in my twenties. Um, but you know, um, and so I guess, you know, looking back that, Raising a family uh, has been probably the biggest challenge yeah. of my life. And um, uh, I just, uh, I didn't do anything to overcome it. And, <laughs> One know, day at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Okay. So, okay. The last part is I just want to do a lightning round, quick questions, 10 mm-hmm. questions. Just okay. don't think too much. Okay. Uh, number one, what is your favorite dessert? I like uh, the Korean shave ice. Oh, you know that, okay. the the Jano like big one, yeah. right? It's d- very different from Japanese one, right? Because they make it out of uh, milk, right? It's, it's shaved frozen milk, right? I don't think I've but, ever and then had you it. Shave but... it much finer, like kakigori is. It's not <laughs> shaved very fine. Yeah. Those right. Korean people, they just take. And make it extra cool. Oh, yeah. Like, a, you know, the nails, too. Like, uh, you know, because cool. I do gel nails. Like and Manicures, you mean? Manicures, yes. Yeah. Um, like, Korean nails are, like, over the top. And also the TV shows as well, right? Right. It's Korean dramas. We, so. have, um, we have a place nearby called Snowy Village. Oh. Um, Sounds the, familiar. Is that a chain? I think there's three locations in the lower mainland. Okay. There's one in Richmond and one in Vancouver. Mm. And there's one out here where we live. But they do the Korean shave ice and uh, we love that. Yeah, It's perfect in summertime. Okay. Uh, Number two, what is on your bedside table? On my bedside table? Yeah. Uh, There's a clock, an alarm clock, Mm -hmm. digital alarm clock. 
There's a box of Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a back scratcher. <laughs> My uh, Magonote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have one too. <laughs> um, I put my phone there. Yeah. Before, before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. There's photographs of uh, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. That's a big table, it sounds like. It's not. It's just uh, <laughs> cluttered. It's very okay. cluttered. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three. What is your life motto? My life motto? Zayu no mewa. My life motto. Um, you know the three cups when you get married? The gold cups、What? from a Shinto? When you have a Shinto, we had a Shinto wedding.、Uh-huh. I saw your、married. photo the other day. It was beautiful.、Uh, let me see if I can bring it. If I have it on my phone, I can bring it up for you. Sakazuki.、Uh, yeah, the, saka, the three. There's three, three? Gold, there's、okay. three gold ones, right? Okay. And,、um, I didn't have a Shinto wedding, so I'm not quite sure. Oh, well, I had a, I had a Shinto wedding so,、okay. at Hokkaido Jingu.、Mm. Oh, yeah. So here, can you see this? Does it show up on the screen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I can、so、see it. There's three cups, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.、Um, so my motto is fill the first cup,、okay. fill the second cup, fill the third cup. Okay. Fill the world all around. Okay. So, you know. What is the first, first cup, though? First cup is yourself.、Mm-hmm. The second cup is your family and、uh, your, your immediate community around you,、mm-hmm. right? And then the third cup is like another step removed,、mm-hmm. right?、Uh, and then, you know,、yeah. after that is the universe. Yeah. So you, you make sure. You are happy and you、mm-hmm. have what you need, and you make sure you, your family is taken care of and your community is taken care of. You make sure the world is taken care of and you make、yeah. sure the universe is taken care of.、Yeah. You know, so, that's I beautiful. That's, that's, I love it. Thank you.、Um, okay, number four. What are you afraid of? Right now, I'm afraid of.、Uh, What's going on in the United States?、Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid of、uh, Trump and、uh, you know, his inciting hatred and fascism、yeah. and racism. I'm also very afraid of his ignorance.、Mm-hmm. Um, he has enabled not only race hatred and ignorance, but he has also enabled.、Um, This kind of、uh, rejection of knowledge、right. in、yeah. science and、uh, rejection of anyone who has expertise、mm-hmm. in anything. Right.、Uh, that is deeply troubling to me and,、mm-hmm. and frightening.、Uh, I don't think he has a chance of winning re election. Hopefully, you know. yeah.、Mm-hmm. It、yeah. seems like、uh, he's being rejected completely, even by the Republican Party now.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he's、uh, deeply, deeply troubling,、yeah. and、uh, you know, he's a deeply frightening human being who、uh, we just need to get, get rid of him as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 
totally agreed. Okay, um, number five. What is the one thing people always misunderstand about you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, you have to. I, I think that um, people seem to be uh, intimidated. Okay. By me. Because you're an authority uh, figure. I think people think I'm really serious. <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, you know that maybe that's my own fault. Maybe I don't. You know. Maybe I come across as serious, or I think uh, that's also kind of Japanese thing too. We are mm -hmm. always taking extra serious. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do, I do take things seriously, and I, you know, mm -hmm. I guess I'm a deep thinker in many ways and so mm -hmm. forth. But uh, I'm also, you know, I, mean, I think I'm pretty easygoing, actually. You know, I think uh, people perhaps find me where they think I'm unapproachable sometimes. Mm. Um, they're intimidated to, uh, I don't know, maybe that's changing now. Um, but, uh, you know, I think maybe there's some misunderstanding there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone take note. Okay. Um, <laughs> so number six, what will you take mm. to a desert island? Desert island? Yeah. My family. I'll bring my family. Well, that would be cruel. I guess maybe. I don't know if you're allowed to bring family. Oh, you're not allowed to bring people. It's just you. Yeah. The things I've said. No, I ask these questions every episode. Um, somebody once said cell phone, and I said no. That's not. That doesn't work. There's no electricity. You can't bring yeah. people. You're just you by can't yourself. Bring people. Yeah. You're uh, being like exiled or something. Yeah. Shimanagashi. And what Reading. are you gonna bring? You can bring the seeds so you can eat. You okay. Bring seeds. You plant something. Agricultural supplies. Yeah, yeah it's like fishing a gear. It's like fishing the Martian. Gear. Yeah, fishing gear. Yeah, yeah. You bring like a toolbox so you can. Yeah. Right. Those are all all good uh, things to bring. Okay. Okay. Number seven. What makes you feel vulnerable? Vulnerable. Yeah. Hmm. Vulnerable, like. Like emotionally vulnerable or? Yeah, I guess. Hmm. I, I don't know what makes me feel, you know, I cry a lot. Like, you know, I can watch like a Visa commercial and start crying. <laughs> you know? uh, That's like my husband. Like, He's anything crying that has to do Anything that has to do with family or children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um these days, especially when I hear anything having to do with uh, ill treatment of children, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's that's very hard for me to yeah. to take. Um, you know, you... and obviously discrimination uh, of, of any kind, mm -hmm. but especially when we're talking about children, mm -hmm. um, I just find it pretty intolerable. Uh, yeah. You know, probably, you know, I mean, sure, I'm sure it's because of uh, being a father myself. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. That, yeah, that's something that I just can't deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, number eight, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? 
like the world today. I mean, obviously what we've yeah. been, we've been talking about mm -hmm. inequality, you yeah. know, racial inequality, uh, economic inequality. Um, really these are the fundamental things that, that, uh, we have to solve. Mm -hmm. I mean, every human being has to have an opportunity to live a life of dignity. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, many hundreds of millions and probably billions of people just do not have that, that opportunity, you know, yeah. because of racial discrimination and economic discrimination. So mm -hmm. if I could change that, I would absolutely do everything in my power to change that. That's cool. Okay. Um, let's see. Number nine, what are you hooked on right now? Hooked on. Uh, we were really, you know, we were really into that show, Giri Haji. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. That was the last drama mm -hmm. that we were really hooked on. Mm -hmm. um, I really love that show, Queer Eye. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I, the TV that I watch, most of it is the TV that my daughter watches. Mm -hmm. We kind of bond together watching the shows that she likes. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I, I, the thing I love about that show is that um, I love seeing the, because it's not just like a cosmetic makeover, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. So it's, it's actually transforming people's entire lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that, uh, you know, very moving. And did you see the season when they went to Japan? Yes. There was yeah. a Queer Eye Japan. Yeah. Yeah. That was really that cool. Was, I yeah. thought that was really cool. Yes. And uh, those two women that they brought, uh, Kumiko Yamamoto, the, can't remember her last name, but, and there's um, the other lady. She's a model or something, but oh, yeah. 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 Those two yeah, are, they're really sort of the leading the change in Japan, you know, because, oh, mm -hmm. um, because Japan, Japanese people, they always love blonde, mm -hmm. white skin, skinny women. But uh, I think her name is Kumiko. Right, she's yeah. not. She's completely defining it, right? Right? Because yes. she's kind of plus size lady. And the other lady, she's a model. She's a hafu, but she's very outspoken. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think she, recently she was chosen as the most beautiful face in Japan or something. And she kind of blasted that in Japanese media. Like, I didn't submit myself to this and I don't really care. You guys are stupid for doing stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, half the people are like, yeah. And half the people is like, oh, she's getting political. Like she should just shut up. Mm -hmm. She's a model. But I think those two are really leading changes. And uh, yeah, we watched Queer Eye. We just finished the latest season and I really liked it because they did bring, I know the, production people are also paying attention to all the diverse people where they brought Asian person, black mm -hmm. person, queer person. Yeah. Because in olden days, they used to do like some old uh, white nerdy guys. And well, yeah, just I mean, the makeover they, only. Yeah. they uh, Yeah. But, you know, this, this new group, the Fab Five, mm -hmm. and the concept of the show, I think, is it, it is it's it's very diverse. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, I really like it. Yeah, and it's and I love that it's not just a, a cosmetic makeover, but it's a real transformation of you know people's worldviews and mm -hmm. uh, and lives. 
you know, yeah. and sense of, of self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what we enjoy about that show. No, I totally agree. I love that show too. Okay, so the last question, number 10, what are you grateful for right now? Well, I am great. I'm grateful to be living in, in Canada, in mm -hmm. British Columbia. Uh, I'm really grateful for uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry and the leadership that yeah. we have here. Uh, you know, you, you just have to look to the U.S. or Brazil, you mm -hmm. know, some of these countries where they've had very ineffectual leadership in terms yeah. of how to handle COVID. And um, I mean, we've, all, we've done almost as well as anywhere in the world here. Yeah. In BC, we? You know, so I'm tremendously grateful for that. And, and not just the leadership, but, obvi but obviously the people of BC too have for, you know, the most part really been on board with uh, what the leadership was telling us we needed to do. You know, and we and hopefully, you know, as we go into phase three here, you know, we're not going to um, lose focus. Yeah. As uh, you know, as I say, we just have to look south to see what can happen. Yeah. Become careless. Mm -hmm. yeah. OK, I think that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, today's guest was uh, Hiro Kanagawa-san. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure entirely. Thanks for having me. It was great, great time. Great opportunity. There you go. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hiro-san. His message that Japanese people and Japan as a country really have to step up meant a lot to me. As I mentioned in the conversation, I recently put on an online conversation on racism in Japan and really feel the tide for change is rising. I want to keep the momentum going. What are you doing to create the change you want to see in the world? You can find me on Instagram as Yukari Peerless or Yukari P on Twitter. Please send any questions or comments there. I'd love to hear from you. That's it for today. Be brave and keep on creating. Stay safe, everyone, and thank you for listening.